Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commanders beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson, and it is time to preview Thanksgiving Day. Logan, what's on your menu? What's on my menu for Thanksgiving? That's a really nice intro there, Craig. Uh, you know, I think. Um, uh, for for the food or for the football? What are we talking about here, Craig? I don't know. I just kind of figured I'd leave it open-ended and see what no, happens. I, I like it. Yeah, I'd so, throw you a curveball. Yeah, so obviously I'm going to watch the game, and then I'm going to eat Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays because it's there's something about getting everybody in the kitchen, like hanging out you know, with the family and stuff that I really enjoy. It's like a little different than Christmas, you know? It's, I don't know, I just, I really enjoy Thanksgiving. Maybe it goes back to like high school when you have practice in the morning if you're in the playoffs and go home and, you know, have food or whatever so how about you man you, you do anything big for uh thanksgiving yeah we're just having a couple of friends over nice little friendsgiving nice. situation uh we're cooking i'm very excited about it i love thanksgiving food there's a couple of things that we eat on thanksgiving that i'm just like why don't we eat this all year round <laughs> like I, what like i'm a i'm a stuffing guy i love stuffing yeah, i think cranberry too. sauce is great yeah um, like cranberry sauce could be used to accent meals year round and we don't do it it's a very stupid yeah. thing that we do as a society we have this delicious thing that we don't have that often um how do you like your turkey cooked? You know, I don't, you know, some people do the fried thing. I've only done the baked turkey pretty much my whole life. Oh, I mean, I've wow, been to, you're missing out. I know. Well, I've been to, I've been to houses and they've done the fried. And um, I don't know. I feel like I just put so much gravy and cranberry sauce on anyway. Like I can't really, <laughs> you know, like I can taste the turkey, but it's like it's the, the dryness is a non-factor at some point, you know? Yeah, no, the gravy and the cranberry sauce. Just everyone's like, yeah, turkey's not that good. It's like, yeah, but it's a great vessel. It's a great vessel for the other stuff. Uh, yeah, no, I grew up uh, doing the fried turkeys uh, in, at my house, oh, really? and it was oh, it's it's the best. Um, we don't have a deep fryer uh, now, so on, you know we'll we'll be baking. And uh, Rachel does a good job of slathering up the turkey with butter, uh, mm-hmm. and that that helps the dryness as well, obviously. So uh, that's that's what's on the menu here, as well as obviously. The football. Um, by the way, Packers Lions should be pretty fun too. Forty Nine er Seahawks at night. Uh, so it's a great day of games. Uh, but we will spend most of our day today, obviously, uh, not talking about our menus and, and breaking down the X's and O's of a green bean casserole or whatever you want to make. Uh, but of this Cowboys and Commanders clash. Uh, first though, like let's let's go super broad big picture. We always do this on our Friday show uh, on the radio, and we haven't really done this a ton here. But kind of asking what's at stake, right? Because there's so much so much talk around this game. And obviously when you lose to the Giants, like there's a lot of there's a lot of consternation in Commander's Land. 
Um, but I think you and I agree that you know, when we talk about what's at stake, it's actually not much um, in a weird way. way. Because you know everyone's like, oh, if they get if they lose, then Ron's toast. They they should have fired him on Sunday. And like the shoulda thing, the woulda thing, the you know like, I for what? Like yes, it would probably feel good because it, it's like oh, it's got to prove to the fans that I, I, like at the end of the day, if they make a if they fire Ron now and then they make a bad hire in January, um, and this team still stinks and no one's going to be happy or sad about the firing of Ron Rivera or Jack Del Rio or anybody else early or late. It's about getting the next move right. Um, yeah. And kind of with that in mind, like I, I actually don't, and knowing that you're not actually getting a head start, you're not doing any of that stuff that people you know want to claim that is going to happen. Um, I actually kind of think we're just stuck um, yeah. towards the end of the season. And is there an outcome on on Thursday uh, that if they're blown out by 60, that maybe they feel like they have to make a change, that like he's lost the locker room or whatever? Maybe. But I actually don't feel like there's, sadly, um, because we're still in November, much at stake in this game. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I think, you know, that if I was the owner, um, I thought about this a ton. Like, what, like, what's the move? And I think ultimately, like, one of the things that I think Ron's done a good job of is kind of being a steward for the organization, a steward for yeah. the franchise. And I think this is part of that process you know it's like this is going to be ugly for him for a couple weeks because he's going to get the questions about being fired every single week and it's going to be tough but i think this is ultimately like you know what like his job is he's going to land this plane they're going to make whatever decisions they're going to make in the off season because i don't think there's a huge incentive or advantage to, to moving on from him like especially at this point of the year unless like you said something really dramatic happens and i even think it's got to be more dramatic than like a bad loss i think it's got to be in the vein you of you have like, allen and Payne fighting on the sidelines again yeah something like that it's got to be like uh, very obvious that the locker room is completely degraded they're not playing hard for him anymore and then at that point, they've kind of forced your hand and you got to move on. But I think until something dramatic like that happens, um, I think it's Ron's show. And I think, um, you know, I get to talk to Ron every week. And, you know, he's I think he understands that to a certain extent. Like he's he's been the ultimate pro, like answering every question and doing all the stuff on the shows that I do with him. So, you know, he's he's going about business as normal. And I think that's probably the right thing until the end of the season. So. Yeah, um, and and the thing is, like, I had this conversation with Linnell uh, on the radio show on Tuesday. Oh, okay. I bet and, you that was a hot take right there. Yeah, hot take no, fest. but, like, it, I, I just looked at him, and I was like, what are you trying to save? Like, the season's yeah. over, um, sure. and I hate that. Um, that's not good for us. Please keep listening, you know? Yeah. Like, people are like, oh, you, you guys love when, you know, obviously this happens everywhere, right? This is not special to D.C. or anything, but fan bases – uh, often think the media loves it when teams lose because they get to talk about dysfunction. Like, no, I would love to talk about no. functional football. And trust me, our ratings would be a hell of a lot better. Our numbers for this podcast would be better because people are more invested if they were winning and we were talking about a playoff race. So, yeah. like, what I'm about to say is, uh, you know, not helpful to my cause. But the season's over. Like, and maybe, oh, no. The best thing that could happen to me now is that that becomes an old takes exposed uh, tweet in a couple of weeks, and they've go, they go on a, a five game winning streak here and make the playoffs, and who knows? Maybe they're awesome. playing well Holy and they cow. win win a playoff game. But like as as Michael Phillips has pointed out, um, they're closer to the number one pick than they are the playoffs. Like they currently mm -hmm. have the seventh draft pick, yeah. and so you know I think you have to ask the question like, what are you trying to save? And once you kind of look at it that way, like. 
you know, we're, we're in a, we're in a tough spot here. And so it is about, as you said, landing the plane, right? Just, can you trust Ron to be a good steward of the organization? And through the last four years, well, he hasn't been the greatest football coach and hasn't been the greatest personnel guy by any stretch of the imagination. He has been a good steward. And, and so I do think that you can trust him to hand this thing off to whoever is next. And I think to a point when, and, and the, the merits of this could be debated. I don't think we, I don't, am not really interested in debating them because it doesn't matter, but like some people will like he, he thinks that like he gets credit for that. I mean, to an extent he does, but like, you know, he, he's already kind of laid the groundwork publicly for like, Oh, I was the guy who drafted Sam Howell. I'm the guy that handed off the team in a good spot. And that's better than doing a, a handing it off in a bad right. spot. But like at the end of the day, your goal was to win, not to, ho- not to hand off a, a, a two or a three top 37 picks, you know, team to the next coach. That's not why anybody yeah. gets into coaching in the NFL. Um, but he is likely going to do that. And, you know, if you can trust him to, to do that, you know, hand that ball off safely, if you will, hand the team off safely, there's no reason you have to make a move, even though it often feels like that in the immediate aftermath of a bad loss. Yeah, and I think that process started, you know, earlier this this offseason. You know, they didn't make a ton of moves in free agency. They got a ton of free agent capital, uh, you know, uh, you know, money kind of sitting around going into the next season. They've got great gra- draft capital. Like, whoever comes in is going to be able to do a lot, you know, do a lot very quickly with this organization. So I do think there is some merit to that. And he's handled, uh, you know, he's handled a lot of adversity as a head coach, you know. And um, like I said, like, say what you want about his tenure here coaching. But I do think that, like, there's he has overcome – a tremendous amount of adversity, you know, the COVID year, the cancer, um, you know, some of the coaching situations and it, it's just, he, he's, he's done that. DA so, investigation and owner yeah. investigation under Congress. Like the list, the list is actually it, it, ridiculous, actually insane. So the fact that this thing is still like semi upright and not totally on fire is, is a testament to him and what he's been able to do. So, you know, I think like, he, you know, we can give him that credit, you know, but during his tenure here, he's been a good steward. So I think just kind of finish it out, man. And, um, you know, hopefully keep fighting, hopefully get some more evaluation points for Sam and some of the young guys who are playing well right now and say, these, these are the pieces we want around moving forward. And then, um, and then kind of get into the off season. So I, I think, again, like, I don't think there's an, like, if I'm the owner, there's no, I can't see an advantage of, of moving on from him at any point in the season. There doesn't seem to be one outside of the, the crazy, um, you know, crazy scenario where the locker room is just totally done. But, you right. know, I, I'm not sure that's going to happen. So let me ask you this real quick, too, because uh, Linnell and I were talking about this, and I think you can answer it better than me. Um, obviously, if they did something, EB is the next guy. And the big pushback is you don't want to pull him away from the job he's doing. Like, he's got his hands very full. first-time play caller, first-time full-time OC, um, you know, designing everything without Andy Reid there with him. And that is a full, full time job. And, you know, Linnell was kind of like, well, what does a head coach do anyway? Like, why could he keep doing all that stuff? Like, obviously, you haven't been a head coach um, and you haven't right. been an OC in the NFL, but like you've you've worked with them. So you, you were inside for 10 years in the building um, besides the press conferences that I saw that that a head coach has to do. Um, why? Why does like that division of labor uh, becomes so much harder if you're a head coach and trying to be head coach and OC at the same time, where if you really are focused on letting EB develop Sam, that actually is going to be detrimental to that cause. That's actually a really interesting question. When I was in San Fran with Kyle, I remember, you know, he had basically built the staff so that he could still be the OC. And what I mean by that is he had 
like the the assistant head coach at the time was my tight end coach, and he basically would do all the scheduling. You know, he had someone that would kind of prep his meetings in front of the team for him. That was Mike McDaniel, would kind of get all the, the content ready for the meetings that he was going to prep as the head coach and as the OC. And I think, like, people just don't understand the time commitment of being an OC in the NFL. And then, like, the other kind of administrative element of being the head coach. And I think I look back to that staff in 17 when I was in San Francisco. And basically, the whole thing was built offensively so that Kyle could do both, right? And I think that trying to get that done in the middle of the offseason or, you know, the middle of the season basically is going to be a huge lift for anybody just from like a scheduling kind of um, scheduling standpoint mostly, right? And you got, and then all of a sudden, like depending on Ron's role, depending on your confidence in the defensive coordinator, like you have to oversee both sides of the ball. Like you're – I don't want to see you're like the quality control, but you're like the guy who's kind of checking in and being like, you know, how are we doing this? And you obviously don't want to overstep, but you do have a role in both sides of the football that can be, um, it can be a lot. So I think it's just important to remember that it's not like, like there is a, you know, you're basically like the CEO of the team and that takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of focus and it would be drawn. It would be taking away from what he's doing with Sam, which I think is important to understand. Like I just go back to that 17 team. Every, every person on the staff had a function that allowed Kyle to be the head coach and the OC. And I'm not sure you could set that up. You can't set that up now. And the thing is too, like, if they fire Ron, they probably also uh, get rid of Jack. And so now all of a sudden you've got uh, right. a, a first-time interim head coach who was, uh, until 30 seconds ago, a first-time full-time OC and play caller and someone who's never been in D.C. before trying to just, you know, we talk about landing the plane, like trying to figure out where all the instruments are uh, right. to get you through the end of the season. So um, that's, you know, on the what's at stake, like that's kind of it. Like we we both think that it's probably best to just land this plane. And in terms of like playoff chances, yeah, uh, you got to win this game if, if you realistically want a chance. Um, but also, you know, if you lose it yeah. and, and you continue on the path that you've been on, remember this team started 2-0. and They are 2-7 and in their last nine games. This is not a good football team, unfortunately, this season and especially as of late they've lost four or five you could be steamrolling towards top five pick and in a loaded draft um, there are worse places for a new regime to start next season hey everyone this is brett boone would you know it i've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year tune in as i sit down with my friends some of the biggest names in sports media entertainment for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations as you know baseball's been my life it's been in the family for a long time but it's a lot more than that here it's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Take Your Man podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. Don't miss the Take Your Man pregame show. Not with us on Thursday. Our guy Denton Day has you covered uh, before the game on 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980. All right, speaking of the offense, Logan, 
uh, they are going to have to put up some points to keep up with the Dallas offense. So what, uh, you know, what, <laughs> I mean, what, what's the plan? Like EB's right. got his hands full for, with Micah Parsons in this line. You know, they marry the rush of the coverage really well. They got playmakers on the back end. This is a dangerous, dangerous Dallas defense that is, uh, I feel like is a pretty nightmarish unit to try to prepare for on short, like on a short week. Yeah, definitely when you watch them, man, they, they do a lot of stuff defensively that, that's fun. You know, they have a guy, like they play a lot of this, um, you know, I think Dan Quinn has kind of got this reputation of playing a lot of cover three. You know, when you watch them, they play a lot of match. They play a lot of two. I, uh, they, they're just like a confident secondary. Confident secondary, understanding how to disguise stuff. They're aggressive to the football. You can tell that's something to prioritize. When I was with Dan in Atlanta, that was something that was at every meeting. We're talking about the football. We're talking about getting the football out. The football is live. And you can tell that's how they, they think about it, right? DBs are aggressive to the football. They're taking advantages. They've got three or four safeties that they kind of bring in that can be like your Buffalo nickel or your dime um, kind of linebackers. And they're all big and fast and physical. They match up well with tight ends. And there's just a lot of team speed there. And they really, um, to get that done, they really rely on, A, they must have an excellent defensive backs coach. I think it's Al Harris, you know, former Green Bay or Green Bay Seattle wherever he was at before, and he's doing a great job with them, and they're just locked in. Like, there's clips where you're watching, and you're like, they know this concept. They, they knew this was coming somehow, and they've matched it really well, and they're just playing really confident. It's it's kind of almost, to a certain extent, the inverse of some stuff you see here in Washington with the commanders. Like, you just – instead of them – instead of here, you know how – uh, when you watch St. Juice and he's kind of in between on something, mm. there's very little in between or indecisiveness with this group. Um, and so kudos to them. They do a great job. And then I think you get to the front and the front is incredibly fun to watch. And that's Dan Quinn's baby. He spends a lot of time with them and they're awesome, man. The way they run their line stunts, the way they find ways to isolate Micah Parsons, the way they move him around the formation, the way that they've accrued, probably six to seven just good pass rushers guys who understand the vision and they just let those guys go like there's times here in washington where you're watching the rush <clears throat> when you're watching the rusher yeah, other teams in the league where you can tell that they're kind of worried about a quarterback scrambling or a quarterback doing this and the guys are are in a more conservative rush approach and that's just not the case ever with them they are just like mm. we are getting after the quarterback 24 7 365 and it's it's a fun defense to watch because of that and so what i would say is is the things you're contending with are can you beat man-to-man -man coverage i think this this group of receivers has shown an ability to do that and can you handle the protection and it's going to be a so it kind of feels like i was trying to think of a good analogy it feels like if the giants defense and the bills defense had like a baby that's oh, kind of what God. this feels yeah like That's, they're really hey they're take, really the, good. take your two worst games combine them together and happy birthday sam Howe. i don't think yeah. it's actually sam's birthday but yeah happy <laughs> but thanksgiving sam Howe. happy there thanksgiving sam Howe. simpler version of the joke come on Hoffman, yeah. wake up and so they so obviously they in the back end they kind of play like buffalo where they take a little bit of chance they, they they're really aggressive to attack the ball they play like i don't want to say outside of scheme but there there's risk where it's like oh this is cover two and this guy is supposed to carry this this vertical a little bit, but his eyes are on the quarterback. He breaks and makes interceptions. That's what happened versus the Jets for one of their turnovers. They're like second in the NFL or uh, second or fifth. I don't remember exactly, but they have a very high turnover rate. They're number one in pressures in the NFL. Like they, It's a fun group to watch. So in terms of prepping, so I mentioned the back end very similar to Buffalo. The front yeah. is very similar to the Giants. 
not in that they bring a ton of pressure. They do bring a lot of five-man rushes. But they also, one of the things about them is they have this relentlessness that the Giants have too. And they move and they stunt and they uh, are aggressive to those stunts. And the stunts create a make it very difficult for the quarterback to escape the pocket while also creating a lot of pressure at the same time. And then obviously, number 11 is, you know, kind of in that he's one of the best defensive players in the division. Like him and Dexter Lawrence are neck and neck. You look at what Dexter Lawrence did to us last week. Like it's probably going to be worse here with Micah Parsons because they give him more, they have more flexibility with him. They just move him around so much more. Like there's, yeah. I, I feel like Parsons is going to play a game where it's like, how many different O linemen can I get a sack against? Correct. Yeah. Like the, the thing, like I watched the New York Jets game and he's playing over the center and he's, and they've got a five man front. So they got to go money. He's got a one-on-one, right? So like, that's a tough matchup for them. So what's the plan? I would probably go full slide there. So some type of um, what I would call like an RRL or a Ron or Lou, where you're getting a, you're, you're basically manning with the, you're not manning with anybody, but the in a five-man front, the tackle would block the the four eye, and everyone kind of blocks down. So you get a double team on that, and then you got a one-on-one with the back or a tight end on an edge player, which is tough because every one of their guys has pass yeah. rush. Especially dudes. if that that edge player is Demarcus Lawrence, like you're. Yeah, good luck. That's He's exactly another ten sack right. guy. And so you see, even in that conversation, you see some of the issues here that they present. And then, so he's over the center against the Jets, and now versus the. Um, Versus Philly, he's playing off-ball linebacker and on pass rushing downs. And he's not actually playing off-ball linebacker, but he's lined up in a way where you as an offensive line have to target this man and get the protection working toward him. And he still ends up getting a sack because he's he's he stunts. Like they loop the three technique, he runs in the A-gap, and he ends up getting a pressure. So he is explosive, he's fast, he's strong. And I think one of the things that's unique about him is he's not overly polished as a pass rusher, but he's just like one of those athletes. He's... You know, six one. He runs a four three. He's two hundred fifty five pounds. He's got good bend, and like it's not like when you watch him, when you watch Nick Bosa, for example. There's like this really technical, nuanced. His hips are moving, his hands, everything's kind of working in conjunction. And then Micah Parsons, just an animal. Like he is just like a Tasmanian yeah. devil. And it's, so, you know, like when when you're that fast and that powerful, you don't need anything but speed and power. Like right. you don't need moves. You don't need you don't need a spin move. You don't need a hump move. You don't need whatever. It's I'm going to violently push your hands away and run around you. And the fastest, or the shortest distance between two lines is, or two points is a straight line. And I'm going to figure out how to straight line to the quarterback. It is nuts watching him pass rush. Yeah. So you're going to have to come up with some stuff, man. You're going to have to, and people say, well, how do you handle the games? Obviously, they, um, the commanders struggled a little bit with the games last week. So I think you're going to see a lot of those same ones just rinsed and repeat. Um, and I would say, like, you, the the best teams that I played for that handled stunts well would rep it. Like, um, I'm trying to think of a good example, but it's like, here's this stunt. How do we move? How do we pass this off? What's the communication? Here's the next stunt. Here's the next stunt. Here's the, and you would just do it at nauseum until it was muscle memory, until you got used to the fact that 11's on my outside shoulder and he drops out, I can squeeze back inside. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just was yeah. like this. You become like a robot. The whole unit becomes a robot. And that takes time. And unfortunately... They don't have a short week, not a lot of time. So, um, you know, then I think you kind of get into EB and what does he do? I think screens are live versus this team. I think running the ball is going to be big just because of what it does to to shorten the game. But those are some things to kind of keep an eye out for. So first, a pop quiz. Uh, Who has more interceptions this year, the Washington Commanders or Deron Bland? (laughs) Deron Bland, I believe, right? Uh, Or is it close? 
It is actually as close as it could get. They are tied with six. <laughs> um, so you talk about guys that are making plays on the back end. Bland yeah. has been incredible. Um, they, you got to know where he is. You got to know where a bunch of guys are. Like you got to, you got to be very clean in your vision uh, against this team. As for uh, what you're just talking about, though, what EB's got to do. One, I think you got to run the ball this week. And like, I'm not going to put a cap on it. I'm not going to say like, hey, find the balance. Like, you got to protect. You got to protect the football, um, and that's going to involve not exposing Sam to hits, to pressures, and to uh, the ability to make young guy mistakes. And we haven't said that a lot this year, where Sam, you know, you kind of trust him to do a lot of stuff. But against this defense on a short week, like I'm, I'd be kind of terrified. Uh, slash, I am kind of terrified. Now, my job is uh, not to get Sam ready. My job is to talk about it. But if I was EB, I'd be extra terrified because that is my job. Um, and so, kind of with that in mind, I think. You know, running the ball obviously becomes important. And Dallas has given up like over 100 yards a game. Um, they're kind of middle of the pack uh, as a rush defense, 109 yards a game. Uh, you can run on them a little bit. Um, and and you ran it really well last week if you're Washington. Uh, you, you were great in that aspect uh, from a productivity standpoint. You just got to hold on to the football at the end of the carries. So that would be one thing I would do. And then the other thing I would do is I would move the pocket a ton. Like, yeah. I, 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 and you can talk about this way better than I can, but... You know, if you want to eliminate some of those stunts and games and, and protection issues and having a block in a phone booth one-on-one -on -one against a guy like Michael Parsons, like, run away from him. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and Sam's really good at throwing on the run. He can run it himself if he gets in a bad spot. He's actually had pretty good decision-making in, in those types of plays. Like, I just, I don't say I wouldn't ever drop back, but I would basically never drop back. Like, I am, I am always mixing it up, doing something a little bit different to try to simplify this game plan and call it in a way that I've, I've got stuff that's already in all season long. I'm just going to use that that bag of tricks as much as I possibly can. And I think that's um, that's a really good point. It's like you got to – to me, this is like a, you know, like a Greg Maddox pitcher. You know what I mean? Like Greg Maddox yeah. doesn't have that like crazy fastball, but he's got you know the knuckleball. He's got the slider. He's got some pitches in there that kind of throw you off a little bit. And so I think a that's what you're – Backdoor two-seamer. Looks yeah, like it's exactly. going to hit you, and then all of a sudden it's a strike. Exactly right. And I don't know, obviously, I don't know a lot about baseball, but I do know that good pitchers who don't have that elite fastball, they have to change it up. And I think that's ultimately what you're trying to do here is you're just trying to, every down, give them something a little bit different to think about. You know, I, I coach some pass rushers around the NFL, like the quick game's huge because it doesn't let them get into their rush, moving the pockets huge. And because it, it's just so much of what you're coaching with a pass rusher is the line to the quarterback. And if I know where the line is, if I know, hey, he's going to be at seven and a half yards this play it's really hard for the offensive line to block that up especially when you got a guy like Micah Parsons so can I get a little bit of doubt in there can I put a guy a tight end in a tight split and give him a chip look or can I line a tight up at tight end up over over his head and he says well I actually have to play the run if they run the ball here right and getting the routes that way there's a lot of little nuanced things you can do to augment that and i think you got to reach into every bag every every trick you've got and put it yeah. on the table they've chipped really well recently yep. like that could be a thing you know you mentioned the screen game i think that's that's going to be big this weekend like it's it's all got to be on the table and then my, my question would be like can they use some of that stuff to generate the big shots because that's what's been missing yes. from this offense as of late is and obviously you got to be careful because those dbs are, are ball hawks back there but like can you run the ball run screens run this run that in a way to eventually generate a big play down the field. Yeah, and I think the one thing just to, I think that's a great point. And I, to kind of just elaborate on that, one thing I would say is that that defensive backfield, they know their rush is really good. You can tell. 
and they play that way. And so if you can somehow augment that a little bit, like get the relationship off, there are big plays because they, they're so used to having it, you know, two and a half seconds balls out, two and a half seconds. And so they take chances around that time parameter. And so if you can say, hey, we can get this out to three and a half seconds or Sam can extend this play, there will be open guys and you will find big plays. Kind of like you did in Seattle, right? Where you, mm-hmm. you get out of the pocket. But the problem is, is you got to be a little bit more creative about how you get to that stuff. Because on third down, they are, it's not like... Um, it's not like the stunts the Giants were doing where it's a four it's a it's a four man rush, they're kind of stunting around. It's like this is a five man rush. They're stunting to kind of create a bubble and ensure that the rush can get home. They really don't want you escaping the pocket. And so they, they do a really good job of moving the interior guys specifically to making sure that there aren't any gaps to like step up in or, or vacate to the right or vacate to the left. So you're gonna have to be a little bit more creative, I think, this week about like you said, like what's on the table? keepers rollouts quick game screens um let's get in different formations like all that stuff has got to be in the rolodex and you got to feel very comfortable with it uh, one of the issues is that you know you're on a short week so how much new stuff that you, you can add right. but to your point you've seen we've seen that stuff i mean i guess you're the giants in week for, 12 like it's yeah. it's in there somewhere yeah so just kind of bring it up to the forefront and, and against the giants they did a lot of that stuff early which i liked and unfortunately, game flow kind of got them out of some of that stuff late. But if you can manage game flow, protect the football, I think, and find those explosive plays. Like think about if if they're able to hit a post early, you know, like uh, like against like against the Giants, for example. Like that game's completely different. The Giants game would be completely different. And I think um, I, it's just going to be it's going to be a lot of work for EB. Going to be a lot of work for Sam. Going to be a lot of work for the O line, because I do think the guys on the outside can win one on ones. Just about making sure you can protect it to get the ball there. Yeah. Um, is there anything, I know it's different offense, anything they can take out of what they did at Dallas with Sam last year? Um, I think one of the things... Outside of just the confidence that he's done it? Well, that game to me is such an outlier. I actually went, went back and watched it, and I just remember the game flow in that Yeah, he threw it 19 times in the game, which is hilarious cool. now because that's like a quarter for him. Yeah, it was crazy because it was like they muffed a punt on the 15-yard line. They scored the next play. They they dropped the, the the punter dropped the ball on a punt and then punted it. It was just like everything went right for them in that game to have good offensive production. I I think the one thing that I would kind of just look at was Terry's a beast. If you can get the ball vertical and get him protected, like take some shots that way. See if you can soften him up. I think there's a lot of validity to that. Um, and then kind of run your base offense because I think the base offense is good. But you're gonna have to put a little bit of wrinkle on it because, like I said, they do a really good job of matching patterns. They they kind of understand what you want to do in certain situations. They're really well coached, and so EB, how can you put a little salt or salt or pepper on that sucker and make it look like something else, then run something different to find those opportunities for those guys to make some plays? Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. All right. Last but not least, this is an explosive Dallas offense. They have put up 40 on a couple of teams this year. Like they will go and get it. Put up 600 yards a couple weeks ago against the Giants. Like this is. I was just looking at the defensive rankings to to check Dallas's numbers and. When you do the sort and uh, you see you see the worst teams at the top of the list, it's Mandos, Mandos. They're now the last team in the NFL in points and yards against. Uh, they're 30th in, in defensive DVOA. 
like this unit has not been good. They played better against the Giants for three quarters, but this is not the Giants offense in Tommy DeVito. This is Dak right. Prescott. This is CeeDee Lamb. This is a Tony Pollard that looks better than he has looked at any point since that leg injury right. last year. Like, what is it about this Dallas offense? Now, they've also, to, to uh, counterpoint myself, They've beaten up on some bad teams. Yeah. Like, there's Dallas's schedule is like oddly light. Um, but they also like they scored a little bit against Philly. They scored a little bit against some other teams. How good do you think this Dallas offense really is? And um, well, the Commanders aren't a good team, especially defensively. So how how scared are you? So I, I'm I'm with you. I think they've beaten up on some bad teams. I think when they play good teams, their record's not very good. I think they're zero and two against teams that are above 500 this year. Obviously, that doesn't really help us as the commanders because we're yes. not above 500. Uh, but whacked by the 49ers, and then they got beat by the Eagles. And they only scored like – how many points they scored in that game? Like 21 or something? Uh, it was 28-23. Yeah, so, I mean, they're not like putting up a high volume of points in that game. And I, and I will say this. For all you want to say about that offense, and they got some playmakers, man. The O-line's playing well. They're probably – at least I haven't watched every O line, but of the O lines I've watched, it's like Philly and Dallas. Like they're playing really well right now. The right tackle struggling big time, but he's even starting to play a little bit better. But those four guys inside, Martin, you know, Smith, uh, uh, the left tackle number seventy seven is doing a great job. So they're they're a very consistent group. Um, the thing about the offense that gives me some type of confidence confidence is probably a strong word that gives me some type of hope. I was about to say maybe hope. Yeah, that this defense can um, can manage this offense is it's relatively simple, and what I mean by that is it's it's a classic Mike McCarthy special. It's like we are gonna run, we're gonna line up, and we're gonna run what we're gonna run. Does that make sense? It's not yeah. like we're gonna get into bunches. We're not gonna motion to something. We're not gonna do all these things that have been problematic for this team. They don't really do. It's like we understand where our matchups are. We understand who our athletes are. We're going to formation stuff and empty to kind of just let Dak get back there and say, oh, there's C.D. Lamb. He's going to win. Bam. But it's not – you should know who you've got, and it shouldn't be too hard. Now it's about can you win those one-on-one -on -one matchups. And I do think when it's straight one-on-ones, the team has done okay. Just kind of, hey, we're lining up, go win, outside of the A.J. Brown stuff. Right. So, And I don't think C.D. Lamb is that guy. I think he's very good, but I, I think cannot wait for the matchup of uh, skinny arms between C.D. Lamb and Emmanuel Forbes. <laughs> yeah, and it, it'll be interesting to see how they how they match up because like C.D. Lamb moves all around the formation, so maybe yeah, he does. maybe St. Juice draws that again. Unfortunately for him, because I like I think I, I, we've talked about this. I think St. Juice is a good player, but I don't think he's a true one. But he's been drawing a lot of true one matchups. So we'll see how that goes. But I do think Forbes has been playing better the last couple of weeks against the Giants. Again, the receiver competition isn't this, but he has two beautiful pass breakups. He's in great phase. He's doing a good job. So I think there's there is some there's some hope for me that they can get can, can get can get it matched up because one of the issues they've had is they've just getting these bad looks sometimes, and they don't know who's got who, and they drop guys in coverage. And I don't think that's going to be as big of an issue this week. But man, it's you know because you've got Cook and Cooks, um, yeah, Brandon Cooks, yeah. Brandon Cooks, yeah, Cooks, um, who is an excellent slot guy, absolutely demolished the Giants, murdered the Giants. He's been a little bit quiet, but you have that there. You've got Gallup; he's an explosive guy waiting to happen, and you've got CD, who's been kind of their yeah. offense, and two tight ends that are um, not overly dynamic, but are good football players. So it's really just to me, it's like the one thing you got 
They're not going to move it around and bunch it up and make it super complicated. Do your job in that context. <laughs> right. And hopefully you can li- limit them to like 28 or 30 and then you yeah. can score 35. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like, I, I think that there's a pretty good chance that you got 30. Um, I should say real quick before I expand on that Forbes DNP in practice on Monday, Tuesday, Monday was an anticipated. Yeah. Cause the elbow, uh, Monday was, they didn't actually practice. It's like, if, if we had, he wouldn't have participated. And then Tuesday on the walkthrough, he was a DNP. So, um, he had that elbow injury, that arm injury in the game. He played the rest of it, but you know, sometimes as you well know, like you have an injury in a game, adrenaline's flowing, you're able to finish and then it swells up or whatever the next day, or you take a closer look at the imaging and you're like, actually, I probably shouldn't have done that. that was and, um, yeah. So we'll see if Forbes is even available on Thursday, um, when they, they get down to Dallas, but, um, the, I'll counter your hope, which is not something I want to do. I would like I, to have again, hope. And again, I'm aware that it's not, yeah. you know. But no, like, I think they're great points, right? Like, schematically, this is this is how you, you squint and see it. It's like, oh, well, at least they don't do the stuff that kills us. The problem is they're so explosive in the stuff yeah. that they do, and this, this defense gives up a bunch of explosive plays. And, you know, you've got wide receivers that can make explosive plays. Pollard's super explosive as a back. And so... You know, when we talk about like your red gro- your red dot, green dot, right? When you when you break down a play, if you've missed this and on the pod, yeah. like when Logan evaluates each play, he puts a green dot for good plays and a red dot for bad plays. And I feel like you're gonna see a Christmas tree number of green plays with a couple of red ornaments. But the problem is, that all those little red ornaments right. uh, are going to be touchdowns and you still give up 30 so like they they might have seven bad plays in the game but if five of them go for touchdowns and three of them are 60 yarders like you're still you're still screwed and And i'm afraid that that is what is going to happen and the other thing that's really important to note here is that dak prescott's playing like at a borderline mvp level at the moment playing his face off dude's playing really well he's 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 extending plays when he has to he's scrambling when he has to he's making big time throws like so that never bodes well for a defense when a quarterback's feeling good. But, may, you know, maybe he's had a little bit, you know, maybe the short week messes him up. I don't know. But, like, obviously you can tell we're not overly optimistic. I'm not overly optimistic about this matchup. I don't want to speak for you, Craig. But I am not overly <laughs> optimistic about this matchup. <laughs> but uh, I do think schematically I feel better about it than if it was like, let's say we were, I don't know, let's say they were running – any other version of this, any other offense, I'd be like, oh my god! Like gosh. Kansas City with all the motion that they yes. do, like it'd be like nightmare. Oh my gosh! There's n- like there's no way. Here at least, it's like you should know who you have. We should be able to get it covered up. Can we get home with the pass rush? Because that old line's playing good ball again. The right tackle struggling. Maybe you can exploit that matchup a little bit. But yeah, man, they got a lot of explosive pieces, and the quarterback's playing good football. So. The teams yeah. that are able to turn Dak over, is there anything in particular that they do, or does Dak just have a bad day? Because he, like he can play at MVP level and then have a a, a poop fest. Because so I think he's that's got. He's Dak only, can you look this up while I'm talking? I think they've got ten interceptions. Is that right? And we'll some of those up. are by Cooper Rush. Um, but you know, one of the things I think is always valuable is you know one of my favorite interceptions that he's thrown this year was against the New York Giants, which I did a breakdown on the command center show, it's on the YouTube page. You can check it out is basically like they are motioning. They have like a motion indicator and it's not a complicated motion. It's like a counter motion. Everyone knows who they've got. Nothing, nothing serious, but it's, it's for Dak to say man or zone, right? So he says it's man. And you can tell right when he checks it to the man beater, the, the nickel DB just 
gives uh, gives the outside guy a signal. They check to cover two, and he just sits in the window where the out's supposed to be and picks it off, like, boom. And so I think that type of stuff is awesome, and I would say we should do some of that in terms of really good coverage disguise, really nuanced kind of, you know, checking in the play and communicating Hard stuff. Hard to do when you have a tough time communicating anything. Right. So as much as I'm like, that is the thing that I would like to see more of. I'm also like, let's just cover the right people for the whole game. <laughs> and, and hopefully that gets us the right spot. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I think that's kind of where I'm at with the whole thing. It's like, just, just do try to do your job as well as you can limit the explosive plays, just be on the right people. And yeah. maybe, maybe you can keep them to 30 and maybe Sam can score 35 it's going to be tough, but that's kind of what I'm thinking for this game. Yeah. Uh, by the way, two things. One, Dak Prescott, 19 touchdowns, six picks on the year. So he's yeah. been pretty clean. Uh, and the other thing, too, that um, hopefully is a positive impact for Washington, uh, Cody Barton is back in this game. Um, so that is that is good to get your that's signal caller in, in the back or back in the middle. He's a great communicator. Um, he's better in coverage than Mayo, um, and it puts Jamin in a better spot. So Hopefully that can unlock a slightly new level for this defense. But like, again, he was there through a lot. I mean, and, and he was adjusting, but they played a lot of bad ball with Cody Barton. They played a lot of bad ball without Cody Barton. Hopefully they can play some I, better ball on, th uh, on Thursday. But I do think he's that guy. You know, we talked about communication and he's a yeah. guy that does communicate well. I, you know, I talked to him in the preseason for a couple of interviews and he's like a guy that really embraces that leadership role. And so mm -hmm. I think that elevates Jamin. I think that puts Cam Crow in a better spot. Now, how rusty is he going to be coming off yeah. this ankle injury? I don't know, but you see the value he adds. Like there was a play against New York early before he got hurt in that first New York game mm -hmm. where it's cover two, and he just did such a great job of, hey, it's it's three by one over here. I'm going to drop to the post, but the quarterback's eyes are bringing me to the, to the backside dig, and he just weaves right there. He's in the throwing window, and he has to check it down. It's a gain of two, and I thought – they have not had that guy here for a couple of weeks who just really has a good feel for coverage, is a good athlete, um, and can get everything communicated. So um, that's not going to be the linchpin that like moves them into a good defense. Yeah, they're, but they're I, not suddenly going to hold the Cowboys to 10 points because Cody Barton is back. But he's. But I think like when he was starting to elevate as the season went on, yeah. I was like, man, if he can do that more consistently, that's a huge deal for this team. Yeah. So And again, he's missed. How many games did he missed? He's missed four games, four, five games. Yeah. So, like, you're never the same guy right when you come back, but maybe he's a good enough ad that gives you a little bit of an edge. Who knows? But, Who again, knows? a lot of playmakers for them. Dak's playing good football. Their line's playing good football. Against a defense that's been struggling, it's going to be a big ask. So, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. And if the Washington wants to win, I think they're going to have to score plus 30 points. Uh, we'll see if they can do it. Uh, the Again, take him in pregame show. Denton Day is in for us. Make sure that you are listening to him as you drive around on thanksgiving if you're headed somewhere to watch the game travel safely uh, wherever you are going we will not do an instant reaction podcast right after the game uh, as we'll be trying to enjoy a little bit of time with our families but friday morning uh we've had enough no i'm just kidding uh not never enough family time uh we will uh, got logan on that one uh no friday morning uh we will hop on and, and record something so if you're traveling back home uh over the weekend you'll have a a game review to listen to. So make sure you're subscribed wherever it is that you check out the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the free Odyssey app, or uh, if you watch on YouTube,
YouTube. Uh, you can check it out at 106.7 The Fan. Um, also, just a quick note of gratitude. It is the season, Logan. Like This podcast has grown so much this year, so much over the last two years that we've been doing it. Um, and we're really, really appreciative of all the support. Uh, it's It's been really fun for us to do this, to get to talk about this team and the depth that we do on a podcast compared to what you know we do in, in all the other platforms that we talk about it. And so, you know, the fact it, that you guys support us in doing it uh, is why we get to keep doing it. So very much appreciated. Uh, I know it's not going to be probably the most fun couple of weeks here, but uh, we have some already really great stuff planned for the off offseason uh, and, and we're really excited for it. So keep on listening and, uh, you know, stick with us or if you want to take a break because hearing about the commanders is driving you up a wall. <laughs> I get it. Uh, but come back for us uh, in, in January or whatever it is. Or for the playoff hunt that's coming, Logan. They're going to do it. Five, five. Anthony said that last week, by the way, on the radio show. He goes, I think a 2012 run is about to come. And I was like, you're out of your mind. And then they <laughs> lost to the Giants. So uh, not off to a great start on that. Not front. off to a great start. But it did. It did kind of start for you guys in 2012 on Thanksgiving. It, it did. I mean, it was a, it was a key piece. for. It was the second yeah. game of the, of, the, of the run. So, yeah. yeah. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens here. But we just... Just in general, uh, all jokes aside, we very much appreciate everyone watching and listening and commenting and, and, and consuming the pod, sharing it with friends, etc. Um, so thank you. Uh, that's it for the show. Uh, thanks so much for all the things that, that you're doing with it. And we will see you on Friday here on Take.